Oakdale Christian Church podcast. On this Palm Sunday, Pastor Ben Pitney is teaching a message titled, The Stones Will Cry. Turn to the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Take out your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 19. What I want to do this morning is uh, read through this passage, and then we're going to draw the truth out of the text and see how it applies to us. I think this morning, uh, what the Lord uh, wants to do is he wants us to, to see this scene, Jesus riding into Jerusalem, and call it Palm Sunday, And I think what Jesus has to offer, what he's bringing into Jerusalem is what everybody needs, and it's what we need. So Luke chapter 19, we're going to start at verse 28. Um, Your iPad, your phone, your computer, your Bible, let's read it together, okay? After Jesus had said this, he continued on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now when he approached Bethphage, And Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go to the village ahead of you, and when you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent ahead found it exactly as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. And then they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and had Jesus get on it. As he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. In verse 38, it says, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But for some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they keep silent, the very stones will cry out. Now, when Jesus approached and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you had only known on this day, even you, the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. For the, day, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and surround you and close in on you from every side. They will demolish you, you and your children within your walls, and they will not leave within you one stone on top of another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Wow, this is a pretty amazing scene. And I'm going to call it an event or a scene of huge misunderstanding. So many things were misunderstood by these folks when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. 
Palm Sunday is the day in the church year when traditionally we're reminded of the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. It's an event that's, like I said, really misunderstood in real time in particular. We're able to kind of back up and see things, and that's what I hope to do today. Because if we understand correctly, we should see that this Jesus really is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Luke 19, verse 38. The king who comes in the name of the Lord. He was Messiah, the son of David, the long-awaited ruler of Israel, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. But the huge misunderstanding was that he would enter Jerusalem with his mighty works, his mighty acts, take his throne and make Israel free from Rome. It wasn't going to be that way, you see. He would take his throne, but it would be through sacrificial suffering, death, and resurrection. So Palm Sunday can be characterized as a day of huge misunderstanding. And yet, we get um, we get to see the things about Jesus that can also bring joy. The misunderstanding brought about destruction, the murder of Jesus a few days later, and the destruction of Jerusalem actually 40 years later. And Jesus saw all of this coming. So the crowds were crying out in verse 38. Look at verse 38 with me. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But then in the very next verse, it says in verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell these guys to stop talking like this. So Jesus knew what was about to happen. The Pharisees were going to get the upper hand. The people would be fickle and follow their leaders. And Jesus would be rejected and then crucified. He would suffer a brutal death. And within a generation, this city, Jerusalem, would be obliterated. Look how Jesus says it in verse 43 and verse 44. For the days will come upon you when your enemy will build an embankment against you and surround you and close in on you from every side. They will demolish you, you and your children within your walls, and they will not leave within you one stone on top of another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. You can already see what a giant misunderstanding this is, right? Jesus saw this sin and this rebellion and this blindness coming, he could see it. And so how does he respond? How does he respond? Look at verse 41 and 42. Now, when Jesus approached and saw the city, look at this, look at this. He wept over it saying, if you had only known on this day, even you, the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. I think this is, really, really profound right here. Because I'm praying that seeing this, kind of get your arms around this scene right here, 
will cause you and I to treasure Jesus above all other things and worship him as our merciful, sovereign God. And I'm also praying that sort of seeing this and seeing the strength of his mercy and in his mercy, we will become merciful like him and with him. I think that's what he wants us to see from this. Let's look at this because Jesus is merciful and sovereign. Let's look at sovereignty first. Verse 37 is where we can draw this truth. It says, as he approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of his disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Now think about this. Jesus had made a name for himself. Word got around. He had a reputation as the worker of miracles, right? And they remembered those things. He had healed leprosy with just a touch. He had made the blind see. He had made the deaf hear and the lame walk. He had commanded unclean spirits and they obeyed him. He had calmed storms, walked on water, and turned five loaves and two fish into a meal for thousands of people. So as he's entering into Jerusalem, they knew nothing could stop him. They knew about all these mighty works, these things that he had done. He could just speak and Pilate would die if he wanted. The Romans would be scattered. Jesus was sovereign, you see. So look, next, at, at the way the crowds are, because of the crowds and how they cry out. Look at verse 38 again. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. See, Jesus was a king and not just any king, but the one sent and appointed by the Lord God. They knew how Isaiah had described him. If you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, you can see this prophet of God and what he's got to say. This is God speaking through him. Isaiah says in verse 7, he says, his dominion will be vast and he will bring immeasurable prosperity. He will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom, establishing it and strengthening it by promoting justice and fairness from this time forward and forevermore. The Lord's intense devotion to his people will accomplish this. They're just talking about Jesus here. A universal, never-ending kingdom backed by the intense devotion of Almighty God. Here was a king, king of the universe, who today rules over all the nations and the galaxies, and for whom America and the Middle East are like a grain of sand, They're like a vapor in the wind talking about the sovereign king of the universe. So let's look at when the Pharisees tell him to make the people stop blessing him, stop talking like this as a king and how he answers. Look at verse 40. 
Verse 40, he says, I tell you, if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. Now, I, this, this is unbelievable, actually. Why? Why would this happen? Because Jesus is going to be praised. The whole design of the universe is that Christ be praised. And so if people won't do it, he's going to see to it that the rocks do it. You see this? In other words, he's sovereign. He's going to get what he wants and what he sets out to get, he gets. And if we refuse to praise, the rocks will get the joy of doing the praising. I think this is pretty uh, magnificent right here. So his sovereign power is, is more moving and compelling than sometimes we think. He is merciful, Jesus is. He's merciful and powerful. You know, there's something that I know about uh, myself and I know about people in general, but I believe that we respect and we appreciate power more when it's merciful power, actually. And we value mercy more when it's a powerful mercy. Let's talk about Jesus because he is sovereignly merciful. Jesus' mercy is, is, is moving him at his core right now. He feels the sorrow of the situation. I think he's really hurting inside. He's more emotionally complex than we actually think he is, I think. No doubt, Jesus has a deep inner peace that God is in control and that God's wise purposes are going to prevail. And Jesus felt enough compassion for Jerusalem to weep. That's what he does. He weeps as he's coming in because he knows what is coming and what's going to unfold. If you haven't shed any tears for somebody's losses, but your own, it probably means you're pretty wrapped up in yourself. And this is just a, um, maybe a first opportunity here to apply this to us. I think if that's you, that you need to ask God to give you a heart that is moved to sorrow for people. Painfully in the short run, Jesus's mercy is self-denying. This text, these scriptures uh, are a part of the story of Jesus and his heart-moving intentionality towards suffering and death. Jesus is entering Ju uh, Jerusalem to die. So there's all kinds of things going on here, but we can't forget that he's going there to die. This is the meaning, I think, of self-denial. This is the way we follow Jesus. We see a need like Jesus does, right? He was seeing the sin of the world and the brokenness and the misery of hell. And that's the way we're supposed to see things. We have to be moved at our core with Jesus, whatever the cost. We have to move toward needs. That should make a lot of sense right now. Even though we can't physically um, in a normal manner, do some of these things. I think we're to deny ourselves the comforts and the securities and the ease of avoiding other people's pains. I think we're called to embrace people's pains and suffering and struggle. 
You see, Jesus' tears were not just the moving of his emotions. That's not what we're talking about here. They were tears of a man on his way towards people's needs. Because, because, why? Because Jesus' mercy intends to help. That's what he does with his mercy. You see, mercy actually does things that help people. I know that we have to be creative right now in how we're going to help people, but it's completely possible, especially for Christ followers, who are called to this kind of mercy, followers of Jesus and who he's all about, especially for Christ followers, we should actually be doing things that help people in a merciful way. Jesus was dying in our place so that we might be forgiven and have eternal life with him. That's how he helped people. So what has this got to do with me? What's this got to do with me? How are you doing acts of mercy right now? We can still be um, merciful and obey um, our government, um, our governor, our mayor, our, 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 the officials that are asking us to do things in our community. We can still be obedient, but acting in mercy. How about this? How are you and your friends, maybe your roommate, your neighbors, doing together? should still be checking in on each other and caring about each other. How's your family doing? Are you engaging with your family right now? Because we are distraction-free more than ever right now. I mean, every professional sport on the planet is shut down. There's nothing really to watch in terms of sports on television. Just go to ESPN, right? And those guys are talking about nothing. It's painful to watch. You can't get to the theater, you can't, you, so, so you can't go to the movies, you can't go out to restaurants. You can't, um, you can't do all these normal things that we do, right? So this is an unprecedented time to invest in your family and be merciful and caring and loving like Jesus would be with your family and the people that you've been in community with. What is moving you these days? If it's all about you, I think you got to really look deep inside. Is there movement toward pain or suffering or misery or loss or sadness? Because that means denying yourself, denying yourself in the short run and multiplying, I think, your joy and satisfaction in the long run. I think that's the reward that Jesus has in store for all of us. And what help are you actually giving to those in need? Are you caring about uh, your loved ones? I know we have to do a lot of things electronically, but it's possible. We are innovative folks, innovative people. Can you see the tears of Jesus this Palm Sunday? Wow. Tears of sovereign mercy. Are you changed by what you've seen? Are you more moved to deny yourself and meet the needs of others I think this is an absolutely perfect Palm Sunday message. If there's ever a time for us, the church for Christ followers, to be merciful and to give mercy to people, 
to bring mercy to people, I think it's now. I think it's now. Jesus didn't call us to some comfortable religion that's just really easygoing. It'll cost you. But I think the reward is satisfaction and joy. It's all worth it. And I don't think that you're going to do this alone. I think that that's the brilliance of God, that when Jesus enters into your heart and transforms you, you're installed with the Holy Spirit and all of that power that belongs to God to do things that are pretty amazing when you're doing them for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for these moments together. Continue to teach us, stretch us, and cause us to grow. Utilize this time to equip ourselves and be trained and to learn how to be merciful to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Join us next week for our Easter message as Pastor Ben teaches again from the book of Luke. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com. Thank you.